0: Hey, I'm Natalie Potts and this is the Natalie Potts Podcast. If you want to talk about your business, your life, your health and more, then you are in the right place. We do it all with humour, love and inspiration to help you create a life you love. So let's dive in. Gulam. thank you so much for joining me today. This is actually going to be your second time on the podcast, but slightly different to the Confidence Series. And we're going to talk more around everything you do with grief recovery because it's so powerful and very poignant to me right right now so I'm going to be able to share reflections as well and and I guess because it's a bit of a testimonial which is always good to have yes, absolutely. absolutely so share um all about gulam and, and what you do oh that's a that's a big
1: ask so uh, I'm a grief recovery specialist and I went out people often say how did you get into that work well mainly because I suffered for years of being stuck with my grief and didn't know how to move forward and then spent years trying trying many, many things. And eventually I came across the grief recovery method, which I found to be far more effective than anything else I had tried. So I decided to train in that because it's been a passion of mine really to help people avoid being stuck for years in pain and therapy like I was. Um, So, what I do is, I train people who are dealing with grief and loss in how to recover their peace and their passion for life, which often gets lost. You know, often people feel like, what's the point Um, after what they've been through? They may say they feel numb or they may say they feel empty. They've lost their sense of purpose. They find they struggle with productivity. So, I just really, really, love being able to accompany them on a journey of being mm. stuck with their grief to being able to really recover that sense of purpose and passion for life because once the pain has been dealt with you're able to recover and yep. reconnect with the, the peace you had
0: yeah and it's so interesting you know I'll go through the experience to a degree but obviously not the ins and outs. what we say and do but um, I guess I came to this strangely we were talking about getting on a podcast and then I remember you sharing about more around what you do. And I just literally sat there and was like, oh, I was like, I really need this. (laughs) And I just, I think I said to you, I was like, I think just stop there, Gilam. I think let's 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 just pause the podcast because (laughs) I definitely need this program. And the reasons, what kind of really hit me was the point around there's over 40 types of grief. And I was like, okay. And I was in a place where, So we started 11 weeks ago. So you're talking now, so probably again, nine months previous to that was when I kind of, you know, left my corporate job as such um, or decided like I'm going to go and then worked my exit strategy as such. But that whole period, nine months before, was where I was going through some real dark times and just having no sense of purpose. And being with an organisation for 19 years, where over half my lifetime, then absolutely nothing was just this you know like working like six days a week and and all my connections being there my life just nothing was just like an empty hole and and I was like well, how do I deal with this and that was one of the real reasons to spend time with you and invest in this second one was also centered around previous relationship when I was 26 and really not feeling I'd moved on from that and like the things are let go and the challenge of everyone says give it time and that type of thing and and I remember at the time it felt like literally somebody had died in my life Mm. um so those were the two main main points and then we worked through lots of different things and then you know well it's it's the the circle of life but I had a bereavement whilst we have gone through this which was my nan passing which we've had to work through and it's been it's been really interesting and poignant to do this experience with one of the well the the closest relationship I could have or one of them in in my life actually to lose someone and and again like so what's that 35 years of knowing someone it's incredible isn't it it's the most amount of time I've lived and then losing somebody so it's been really interesting and awareness and it's been I feel very privileged to be going through this experience and have that at the same time actually because I'm able to deal with it in completely different well I'm actually able to deal with it which I wouldn't have because I knew that, and I'm talking a lot here, but I knew um, I seemed to take, as you know, emotions and just what, I, and I massively noticed working with the, the retailer I was with that I would just push down emotions. It was like stress city in terms of just literally wanting to burst. And there's just so much that I always say that working through the, the two experiences of the sense identity piece. With work and then, you know, a relationship one that it was almost like my stomach was like a was like a void in that. And that like I emptied that void going through this experience. It was just mm-hmm. really interesting. And and again, I was conscious with this with my my nan that again, all I'm doing is taking everything that's happening, because I'm busy at work there's certain things going on in the family, there's certain things going on, you know, having to be strong for people and time and like hear all these things. And all I was doing the other week was just thinking, take it, push it, take it, push it down, push it down, push it down. And I thought, gosh, and then you you just explode on points. You had those moments when it's so raw and, and actually it's nothing about the people often or the situation. It's just where you're at. Yes. But this whole approach of managing emotions and just really that, nobody teaches us how to do it yes and we don't absolutely. learn the stuff that we need to learn at school and um, that would actually make a a real transformational difference to to definitely our more mature years but our, to our life and mm-hmm. yeah so there we go that was a bit of a splurge <laughs> yeah no that's that's lovely no it's really interesting that
1: that is the problem that we're taught how to acquire things um as i've said previously but not how to let go of things and we live in denial of the fact that grief is a normal and natural reaction to loss of any kind. Um, and the thing is, unless we know better, we can't do better. And that lack of knowledge, that lack of uh, good information, is what kept me stuck, you know, for a long time. My mum went on holiday, and just as she was leaving, I had this sudden urge to tell her that I loved her. I don't know if that was a premonition or what it was, but this logical part of me popped up and said, Oh, don't make a fuss. She'll be back in six weeks. And obviously, she wasn't. She took ill while she was uh while she was away and she never came back. So obviously that's an end of something. We say grief is when something comes to an end, or there's a change in a familiar pattern of behavior. And so it's very natural for me to be feeling those feelings. But somebody, I remember, I don't know who now, but they just I just remember them leaning forward and saying, oh, you mustn't cry. You've got to be strong for your brothers and sisters. And I took that to be like truth. And that's what I spent years doing. Every time I wanted to cry, I go oh, no, and I'd be telling myself, oh, I mustn't cry. I've got to be strong for my brothers and sisters, mm. which meant that my my actual grief sat unresolved for years and years and years. And, in fact, every time somebody would raise the subject of, you know, how it comes up about what, what does your mum do or something, I suddenly well up and I get emotional and everything. And then I'd be telling myself, I mustn't cry. I've got to be strong. And they'd be like, oh, when did she die? And I'd be saying, oh, like 10 years ago, and they'd be like, what? You're still feeling so emotional? You're still... And that's the problem, that grief is not only negative, it's accumulative. Mm. And most people have ways that they, you know, manage to get through and they cope. But if you have picked up misinformation, if you have had a uh, little uh, good information, or if you haven't had the right kind of support... Or it depends on what happened. I mean, if I leave a job and you leave a job, they might be under very different circumstances. Or if I lose a pet, you lose a pet, the relationships and what it means and how it impacts us. So what we say is each person's grief journey is completely unique. And in fact, uh, on my background, where the little heart is, it's not maybe easy to see, but that's actually a thumbprint. Mm-hmm. part just to remind me and remind everybody that actually your journey is very personal and unique and comparisons are really unhelpful yeah
0: uh, yeah and I want to come back to a few points there that I've noted down around it's really I'm very big on noticing what you notice and I was talking to my coach earlier about what I'm resisting at the minute mm. a lot around a bit about I don't do well at having time off. I just don't, it's not innate in me. It never has been. And and he was like, well, you know, what's the reasons around this? And I think we kind of got bits of the actions that I need to discipline more time in planning my week ahead. I, I plan very well, but in terms of looking at what was the week on a certain day and planning time off and also planning time for my fitness. And this is where this idea of familiarity came in, where you said about pattern behavior, I said to him, I feel really guilty training in the day, doing my fitness in the day. And I love my training. I train five times a week. I love doing my cardio. And I tend to do, somebody asked me yesterday, how much can you commit to a week? And I was like, I do an hour a day. And they're like, so you could do an hour a day training. And I was like, that's yeah. it. Oh, Always. Yeah. And they said, well, like, you I, get uh, the results that you get. Yeah. Like, and I know it gets results, but I've just been like, whoa, this is, I don't, why, <laughs> why is he finding it so weird? But I feel really guilty doing it. In the day, because I have such, um, it's so ingrained in me to be get up, start work at seven o'clock in the morning. I used to start for years. You know, so I've always been up at five since I was about 17, really. Wow. Doing a job and things, union, everything course. But I've just always been in for seven, or I've done late shifts. I've never had the structure Monday to Friday, nine to five. And doing that scares me. It makes me nervous to say on Monday to Friday, because I think I don't know, it just it's unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. So then we spoke today because he's done a lot of work with Joe Dispenser and he's, you know, looking into um the science of learning and our behaviors, everything. It's phenomenal. And he was saying about um, you know, the neural pathways, because we're so programmed and we program that way. And then when we change it, it's unfamiliar. And that's when we feel nervous. And it's exactly the same with this, mm-hmm. is that I've and again recognizing that. It's that change. And then we don't, again, like this, unpack it and explore it. And that's what I love about working with my coach, Adam, that we talk it through. It's, you know, it's challenging. And he he says, well, what's the reason for that? And he also a challenge today, but we've had this discussion two months ago. So what's going to be the change now or what's not working? What, what do we need to do? So that's where coaching and mentoring is so powerful and, and mm-hmm. taking time to create a space to listen and raise your awareness in understanding what you need Mm. as well and yeah I've, I've already done awareness there what it also made me reflect on was why is this for to business how can we relate it and the reality is no one can they're not solo entities I think people think that well that's work and that's life right and it's just not possible I used to think that when I was a kid that's at work a whole debate once of a manager I'm different at work (laughs) and the reality is it's not because if home life's really tough and challenging you're going through some crap you can't just switch it off at work there's a level you can have the awareness to it to a degree because I used to say and I used to know as myself when I'm leading team I couldn't go in sad every day if I was just feeling rough because you can't lead people like that but you have to learn to be vulnerable in the right way with that and and I remember working with many different you know hundreds of people thousands of people but Lots of people around grief as well, and what they needed, and doing the right thing for people, being patient, and and I think that's where leadership comes into its own. That what works for one won't work for another, so you had to explore building relationships and everything. So it's um, none of this is ever just solo. It'll it'll impact, and like I shared that if I didn't go through the process, I've been with you it would hold me back in my business Yeah, sure. like Absolutely. now even if you think of like my nan it's like I've had to work through certain things this week and last few weeks to think about but you know and it's it's hard to do it but you know that actually the short term is you're gonna move forward sooner rather than later in yeah. a way
1: yes and I think that's the problem that if people think that they're managing to function they think oh well I'm okay but um somebody i spoke to recently on a discovery call he said you know i feel like my life is like a car that's moving yeah. but it's yeah. uh, it's got the handbrakes on yeah I, wow i love that analogy and just imagine what life would be like if your handbrake was off yeah and particularly yeah. for people as you say who are actually in the leadership position and particularly if you yourself are supporting encouraging coaching helping other people if you're not able to be there ten out of ten, that is yeah. going to have a huge impact on your, yeah. your what you're able to do for others. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, like I found, you can keep pushing yourself up to a certain point, so you can yeah. kid yourself. And we, and on the course, we obviously talk about the short-term energy relieving behaviours. Yeah, people will find all sorts of ways of coping. Um, but which don't actually deal with the root cause of the pain Mm. and many people don't understand that unresolved grief is often about three things Uh, the first is that um, there's a sense of wishing that things had been different or better or more Um, so I lost um, after after my mum I went on to have a um, I, I lost my brother, and then uh, my younger sister, and then my father, and then I had three miscarriages. And what I noticed with each grief event was that they, it felt different, yeah. and usually because of the relationship, but also how things ended. Yeah. So yeah. with my mom, I was very – it was it was all about the undelivered, significant communication I had, that I had that urge, but I didn't listen to my heart. I didn't tell her that I loved her. I didn't. So the undelivered communication was very relevant there. With my sister, it was much more about wishing I had done things differently or better or more. Uh, So at that time, we were all reeling from grief, and I had decided to hand in my notice and go traveling because I just, it was like my life view had just been shattered. It sounds odd but I had grown up thinking that old people die and other people die so all of a sudden it's not old people and it's not other people and so I just really struggled to it just brought up all the big questions of life where are they what's happened Mm. what's happened when they die and I became very aware of my own mortality as well I wasn't functioning very well at work I was doing my I'll be strong I'll keep going but you know staff noticed that I said, Gulam, we don't think you're coping very well. You should take some time off. And I was like, no, I got, I'm going to get through this. But then I realized, actually, I'm not coping very well. Mm-hmm. And then a, a, somebody said to me, what is it you need? And I said, well, I need to just not have the pressure of work. I need to just take time out, go traveling, rebuild my, you know, sense of what life is all about um, without the pressure of I've got to be back in two weeks after two weeks holiday yeah and she said well that's exactly what you need to do and although I was very fearful <clears throat> she said what is it you're afraid of I said well if I don't have a job I won't be able to pay my rent if I don't pay my rent I'll be and I had this picture in my head of me sitting on the curb homeless and she said to me well is that really true mm-hmm. is that really true and I thought I'm building up this big thing in my head. Of course, it's not true. My family would take me in. My friends would take me in until I got back on my feet. And so I decided I was going to go, but then my sister took ill. She had a delayed grief reaction, had a mental breakdown, and all of a sudden I was left with, should I take her with me? Should I cancel my trip? Should I, you know, she persuaded me to go. But then while I was gone on my way back, I heard she'd had a relapse i left um india i was in at the time and she was alive and then she'd walked out of the institution where the mental health place she was in and uh, she had another go and she died so i was left with lots of if only what if i'd done this what if i'd said this what if i you know with the With the um, miscarriage, it was much more about the loss of hopes and dreams and expectations. Yeah. Because uh, I had found out that it was going to be a girl and uh, I already had two boys. And so my husband and my two sons, lovely as they are, always I felt outnumbered. I was thinking oh great (laughs) the girl in the house will be able to do girly things had these fantasies that we could go shopping and this and that so obviously when uh, when the miscarriage happened that was a huge loss of dreams hopes and expectations and that's usually the three aspects of unresolved grief but mostly we don't know what grief is we don't know how it works or how it impacts us or how to recognize the signs. so sometimes people can be stuck with the pain yeah I was trying this trying that trying the other but not making any progress
0: first of all thank you just so much for your transparency and I know you've shared this with me before and um and I really do value it I think it's it, that's where it's inspiring to, to see how you are and and that inspiration that makes it easier for people especially I know my if I speak on my behalf in terms of sharing what's really important to me and if you don't have that part in a relationship you can't really unpack everything like you say the rucksack isn't it and I was, I was realizing that I was just chucking everything in it <laughs> carrying it along and it's getting heavier and um yeah visuals like that always really work for me and and really the idea of going back to the disturbs that I guess one I didn't recognise that the career change was a loss, and even sometimes when I tell people now that I've, I've looked at it like that, they're like, "Is it?" And I was like, "Yeah, it is." Yeah. It's really like grief because change. It was so much love and attachment and everything. You know that part, like you say there, there are loss of hopes, dreams, and expectations out of that for sure. I was really clear on things like that, and just like snap my fingers, gone. So mm. I was the shocker one for me. There was a few um you know a few things I was doing which was one was drinking I was drinking more in the evenings as a as a mechanism and my routine was pretty dire is get up intense gym go to work do a long mm, 10 12 hour shift which was normal didn't know any different come home drink a bottle of wine three gins a night and I honestly I don't know how my body took it to be fair and I did that for For good few like a good amount of weeks and and then it was when it kind of started to hit as well I also noticed years before that I guess at the time as well the fitness was still a big thing um but it was obsessive the intent like now I'm much more manageable and I look at I work with a coach on a lifestyle of training and fitness and nutrition but I was intense on training you know it's always got to be 10 out of 10 go for it heavy weights you know the food's got to be uh, you know now because I was drinking more i like the foods less and my food was out you know ridiculous as well so I noticed that was another one um workaholic like I just said the, the shifts I was doing were ridiculous and then I'd still come home and do other bits I, I never turned my phone off my work phone uh, it was just I remember doing coming home and I'd do schedules or you'd have your shift on so they'd be messing you at night and and I looked at the way that I'm serving but I wasn't serving myself and I mm-hmm. think that's come through this is We talk a lot around what are you doing for yourself this week, self-care. And that's really helped me again, probably even more so the last four weeks, really thinking of that question, actually, what am I doing? Mm. And then the final one that was most interesting was the idea of helping others. And that's, it's naturally what we do as a service. However, I noticed that I was, you know, I'd volunteered for quite a support back in 2018 and that and done it for a year and a half, but I noticed i always wanted to be doing it because it gave me a feeling of feeling good. And it's, it was that feeling good. It's like that dopamine kit that everybody wants. And what it wasn't doing was really unpacking the fact that I wasn't feeling great about things. And I just, that was my kind of, the channel I would go to feel that factor. And then, do you know what? Everything's fine. Really? Don't worry. Cover it over with that. It's fine. Um, really, really interesting one. So I think that, um, yeah it's like you say how do you recognize those signs and sometimes it's you, you know taking that step back and getting the awareness and, and hopefully like this just sharing this with people that you know I didn't know about it until we met yeah. in yeah. our business mastermind. and then you know then it's obviously I talked to my, lots of people because I love connecting with people but that's where it's been really powerful and off of that I think you touched on it earlier about it's i've done years of therapy since 2019 when i was signed off initially with burnout and i went into cbt which was a horrendous experience wasn't great then i've done rapid transformation therapy which has been good at points um i've done hypnosis meditation stuff that's slightly linked to therapy um i've done private therapy which is quite holistic um, i've then done a set program which was around relationship with food and it, that it was then, it got to my, um, May, and I was like, I'd stop therapy, actually, which was interesting. But I, w- I always pay attention to think, I know I need something at the moment. It's mm. not just holistic kind of therapy of everything in my life because that's worked for five months. I need to try something different. Mm. Um, and and then I think it's that, it's that awareness. I'm not sure what it is, but the patients are just waiting for something to come. And then that's why I also trust in the idea of, the universe in the in the in the right proactive way not geeky it's woo-woo or anything I think people are generally all nothing wrong
1: with a bit of woo-woo
0: always yeah yeah but um that's where this is it's very different and I want to make that clear to people this is I think it's probably in some ways it's not to put people off but you know it's about making sure that you really explore is this right for you and that doesn't put you off you know, exploring and discovery and everything like that. But you really need the awareness that you, you're going to invest and commit in this. And like I said, it's there was probably week nine onwards, I think, I remember coming to you and saying, this is bloody tough now, mm-hmm. actually. And I still did work. I think last week was my hardest one with Nan. But it's you got to commit to this. Yes, yes. And
1: really, we we always say that I can – teach you the knowledge the tools and processes but it's like if your garden is full of weeds I often use that analogy that your garden has become a wasteland for various reasons however much I teach you what you need to do in the end you're going to have to do that digging and getting things and sometimes people are looking for a quick fix but the reality is if you just chop the weeds off it does look different for a short time but then they just grow back they do. And so yeah. I think by having the right tools, but we also say that there's nothing wrong with all of the therapies that you mentioned. And for some things, they might be the right yeah. tools. Yeah. Uh, but we say, you know, imagine if you want to paint your room and you've got a screwdriver, a saw, and a hammer. Mm-hmm. Now they're great tools, but they're not the right tools for that job. And so I what I really love about the grief recovery method is not only is it just step-by-step and action-based but it's very empowering so once you've got that knowledge tools and processes you can use it on all your past grief things that are happening right now you might face in the future so you you can face them you know with more confidence knowing that you have a way to be able to unpack and deal Mm -hmm. with it rather than just be overwhelmed and stuck
0: I think what I've recognised as a reflection of the whole experience has been it's been lovely not to have what you think you should do or what you know to be stuff like that actually isn't good information. Like we say, when people say time will help, it's it's not about that at all. And the reflection that when I reflect on the two I focused on, I don't in relationships within that. It's not about saying they didn't happen. And I was always thinking of that like I found you're right CBT therapy everything has its own place, and nothing's a silver bullet this is this won't just be the
1: no no
0: everything That's why
1: it's really important to make sure it's the
0: right fit for what yeah person needs however, um it's made me look at those experiences and say and just feel probably less attachment to them And I'm not saying everyone's going to experience this is my experience of it that I feel less attachment in an emotional way but a way that it was you know it was a lesson of life as such whereas I personally felt sometimes therapy used to be a bit of a let little Natalie go and that didn't quite sit with me for certain reasons and again like this isn't fair to say it's gonna you know that might work for some people yeah. Yeah, but I used to struggle thinking, well, I'm still Natalie. So you, it's almost like saying I'm a different person. I'm not. I'm just a bit older and a bit more grey hairs. Unfortunately, <laughs> coming through. And <laughs> <laughs> Guinness for Zoom on the, yeah, uh, the yeah uh, uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's really the reflections have been really poignant for me, mm-hmm. and and I think the confidence in that we're gonna have painful times in life my cousin challenged me on this the other week she said because I shut off some some things like I put walls down barriers and sometimes i like I won't let people in and stuff like that and that's that vulnerability that I've had to work on as well and she was like you're gonna get hurt in life you're mm-hmm. gonna get pain you're gonna have people disappoint you mm-hmm. and I was like and I needed to hear that as well and it was interesting and um, I think that's the part as well you've got to you've got to be mindful it's, that's going to happen however this is like you said giving me the confidence to say I now have the tools to know the process and what I need to do around this and what that looks like and and that it, it had helped in those other relationships therefore I'm confident if I do it in this way with these it's going to help me and and again I think you know doing it the first few times you think oh it's quick it's done but it's not it's about you know like we know that part of actually I didn't say that and it's undelivered messages and that's been key to think about as well um and I guess a real true reflection as well is how powerful it is to talk out loud one-to-one hence I think the process of doing it with someone is absolutely worth the investment and because you need space with people and that's where therapy does help where you have space with someone that's no judgment they don't know you in those ways you know often and that's that's where it has a pivotal role in what it does um so yeah I think that that reflection um and the part that when you write things down and you go through a set process and you see it differently talk out loud I remember saying movings of one actually isn't it that comes up quite a lot with grief and again that was really interesting for me how motive that was yes um so I think yeah I think there's it's not it's open people's minds to what the art of possible and that you don't if you're in pain that doesn't yep. have to continue
1: yes yes and I think that's that's a really good point because for some people it's hard for them to imagine I, I know it was the same for me it was hard for me to imagine that life could ever have any laughter or joy or or anything it was like I'm going to be sad forever and sometimes I think sometimes people have a uh, misunderstanding or a a belief that's not helpful where they think, well, if I was to kind of find my joy again, is that saying I didn't really love that person? Mm -hmm. Is it saying, you know, so they almost feel like they're honour-bound or duty-bound to remain sad and uh, struggling because that might, in their mind equators, well, look, look how much she's, outwardly grieving she must have mm. really loved the person mm. but actually that doesn't really make sense because you messing up your life in no way honors the relationship that you're grieving and so finding a way to really learn those lessons to gather up all the really fond memories to complete the incomplete and unfinished business I mean, for me, I I remember being stuck for so many years on that scene just as my mom was leaving that I couldn't actually connect with all the happy memories that we'd had. And there were so many. But every time I wow. thought of my mom, I'd be back at that spot. It's, it's as if my life was, you know, your screen freezes sometimes. <laughs> <even unseen. laughs> it's like my the life screen had frozen on that moment. So every time I thought of my mom, I was back there telling myself off why didn't I listen etc and when you cut off from all because the person's life is so much more than that very final bit of how how they went or how it finished or just as your life of working for that organization there was so much more to it than the you know final bit of where things didn't quite you know feel right and you struggled And sometimes we're so focused on that struggle that it fills up the whole of our attention and it's like we can't access all the other things. So we're left constantly feeling, you know, that swirl of um, emotions in the gut, which obviously has an impact physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually.
0: Um, Yeah. I've forgotten what I was saying. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It does that expand a conversation so rich, it just it can yeah. take it as well. If people are currently listening to this and it's resonating, but they're very nervous still to reach out or think that no, that's you know, there is maybe that point of no, I don't need that, you know, I'm I'm okay. What what would your advice be to them in terms of being a bit more open-minded around how this could change their life and what they need to do? Because sometimes people need to be told what to do a little bit to a degree yes. in, in, in work for you.
1: Yeah. And, and I think the important thing is really um, I work with people who are ready. They, they've realized that life isn't working. They're not yeah. happy with how things are. They want something different. Yeah. And so once you've got that desire for change, you're, then you're more open. Um, I often talk about the W's that you need to recognize you've ended up in a bit of a wasteland. And then yeah. you have want change and then you've got to be willing to commit to do what it takes. Yeah. And you've got to do the weeding. You've got to explore what, what are the life limiting beliefs you picked up, the misinformation until you weed those things out. You can't really plant things that can produce better results. Mm. Um, and then there is, you know, so step-by-step, step, uh, That I think the next step really is about, Doing the work, yeah, caring yourself, being willing, wanting, and everything is only half of it. If you never actually pick up something to do the digging, it's not. It's gonna not get very far. But even after you've done the work of the weeding and everything, then you've got to start thinking. And um, uh, the next W that comes into my mind is about wishing. Mm. Start to use your imagination to think about well, what kind of a life do I want to create? What kind of a relationship do I want to have? What kind of a garden would feel more like a wonderland than a wasteland? Yeah. And that's really the, the journey that we go on from identifying and recognizing the wasteland to working towards actually knowing how to create a wonderland. So at the end of my 90-day program, uh, my promise is that you'll have a personalized plan now of... Uh, the knowledge, the tools, and the processes that you can use to deal with any grief—future, past, present—resourcefully. Yeah, and uh, that—that's what I love about it. Really, that it's so practical.
0: I would a hundred percent stick by that. That it absolutely is. Um, but I think also on top of that is with the confidence to do that. That it's like, yes, I can do that now as well, um, and that you've come for it. With, you know, with trusted support um and advice as well when someone listening so I think that absolutely if you if you're kind of um they say sitting on the fence and I've heard this before that you, you kind of get I don't like sitting on the fence because it's painful <laughs> it <is. laughs> but um what's really poignant there is where you say about what what life do I want to create and going back to a desire for change I love that um that, that language around that and it's it's absolutely true and I think you do have to be ready like you said but then sometimes it's challenging yourself what well, am I ready or not ready as well within that because I think we can put it off
1: I think it starts off by assessing and, and awareing uh, being aware and assessing what's happening with your heart yes. so if I was to ask myself um on a naught to 10 how happy am I with the garden I've got it right now yeah and um, and some people, ecstatic, and that's yeah. fine. You know, yeah. this, this is not necessary for everybody. And some people might be, they've got a general sense of dissatisfaction, but they're not quite sure why. And, and, and it, a very low-risk thing that they can do is to join my um, Facebook group, which I'm just setting up, called Handling Grief. Yeah. There'll be lots of tips and resources. Um, there's some free stuff they can download. And uh, they can just lurk in the background.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Do we like lurkers? <laughs> no,
1: we don't. But uh, we have done it. I don't know about you, but I'm confessing that sometimes, you know, I, I just want to lurk. And But oh, by lurking, you get to know the person, you get to know their values, you get to know their philosophy. And then you feel a bit more confident about, well, let me reach out and book a discovery call. And again, as I said, really, my heart is to help people um, who are, stuck with their grief or they just realize that they're not and they're not where they want to be and then I can talk through and really the purpose of that call is really to find out what is going on for them that how much is it impacting their home their work their relationships their mental well-being yeah. and if it's something that they think is really something that they really want to deal with then we can talk about how we can move forward if i think that for whatever reason we're not going to be a good fit I mean, sometimes, um, you know, I've had people who they've come forward saying they need something, but they're very, very close-minded about telling you what they need and what they don't need and they're trusting themselves, but they're not open to trusting somebody else to guide them through the process. So in that situation, I would say, look, and this really works best where you're willing to trust me to be your guide and you're willing to trust the process. Yes. Uh, some people they like need they need to understand everything and if they can't understand everything they don't want to take a step and they kind of overthink things and tie themselves in knots so I know that's not going to benefit them and it's going to end up being a you know difficult for me so I'll just say well let me su- let's have a look at what else might be more suitable or it might be they need grief recovery but maybe I'm not suitable match for them so I'll say well let's see who else might be a better match um So, yeah, so sometimes I've said that to people, I've said, look, I think maybe you're not quite ready for this at the moment, because, as you say, the people who get the best results are the ones who are really willing to put in, um, it's a 12 week, um, and each week they have some, as you know, there's a session, you learn some new things, and then you go away and do the homework. And the ones who get the best results are the ones who are committed to following the instructions just step by step. Yeah. Because each piece, as you know, you get another piece of the jigsaw puzzle, and then it all makes sense. But sometimes people like it to all make sense before they'll take that first step. Understood. But really a very low-risk thing is to educate yourself about grief, what it is, notice the symptoms, how it's impacting you. But I'm very happy to have a quick call with people. And if if I think it's something they'll benefit from, we can then go on to have a a discovery call, which is free. So it's very low risk.
0: (laughs) um, um, You've done a part in Connection. So yeah, uh, definitely go ahead and... uh, the invites there to be a part of your facebook community so for sure do it and i am it's been an absolute privilege to get to work with you and i think i'd be more nervous about the fact of where my life would be if i didn't if i hadn't gone through this process and the fact that i think that maybe i trusted in the universe and everything just to tell me that that's what i needed at the time and i was and i was ready and i was going to commit because i I knew i would did and and you were very open and honest about that. And I love what you share there, that if you're not the right person for somebody, you're happy to sign post. I think that's beautiful. And not enough to do that in certainly in the world I I'm around as well of coaches. So very absolutely um aligned to your thought process around that. Um it's been amazing to get to talk to you today so thank you so much for your time i really value it as always and yeah i highly recommend if that's resonated that you you reach out to to gulan because i know she'll definitely help you with um everything we've shared here from a place of love um and good intent as well so thank you so much Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yeah. And more
1: importantly, it's been such a pleasure to work with you because you've been really committed to, um, even when it got tough, you you just, because I offer the fact that in between sessions, if you're struggling, because I know people hit it at different times, yeah, depending on what they've been through, but I'm there the whole way. You have to do the work, but I'm with you the whole way. And so it's such a... It's such a privilege, really, to be part of your journey and to see where you are compared to where you were when you came. So thank you from my... I'm a good girl right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely are a good girl.
0: But I do get that a lot. A of keeper. You're a keeper. Very studenty. I'll tell my behalf <laughs> that. You need to listen to this podcast because you said I'm a keeper. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah look amazing. Um, so uh, yeah I'm excited to see where, where we both are next year. Yes really, that great. would be that would be really great. This is what's amazing about business isn't it just we just collab and we you help each other and that's why I love about this it's amazing yes yes well thank you thank you welcome thank you thank you so much for listening I hope you enjoyed today's episode if you felt inspired please make sure you share this with a friend and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode I really love hearing feedback from you so if you have a question topic or want to hear from someone you love on this show then head to my website Matthew Potts Coaching and let me know Until next time, have an amazing week and know that you have value to offer this world.